Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I have something very special to share with you, our listeners, today. Uh, Not too long ago, I was in Calgary, Alberta, for the 20th anniversary of the Catholic Men's Conference there. And I was talking about the St. Joseph's strategy for keeping kids Catholic in the 21st century. So today I have a very special message for dads. This is going to be my live presentation to the Catholic men in Canada. Moms, you listening too, I want you to pay a lot of attention to this because really the question is, How can parents today train their children for a spiritual survival in the 21st century? Um, There is a move on against the faith, and there's a massive washout from the faith, but parents are key to raising children who can withstand these pressures today and thrive in their spiritual life. Let's join the Men's Conference in Calgary, Alberta. Let's start with this one verse from Jesus. It's from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew being the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. This is one verse I would hope that you take home. The reason is this. If we recognize a problem or a challenge accurately then we can have a proper response. But if we're thinking that things are just kind of normal, the world's always been like this, whatever, and everything will be fine no matter what we do in raising our kids, um, then we're liable to run into some problems. So let's listen to Jesus in verse 12 of Matthew 24. And he said this, And because wickedness is multiplied... Most men's love will grow cold. Now, if you read the newspaper or scan the news on your tablet or your phone, I don't have to elaborate that wickedness is multiplying in our world. Look at the changes that have occurred since the year 2000 culturally in North America. Wickedness is indeed multiplying. Now you'd say, okay, well... So what? Well, listen to what Jesus says will be the result. Most, and when he says most, he means most. That means a majority. Most men's love will grow cold. Well, if it's growing cold, then at one point it needed to be either warm or hot. In other words, people who were firm followers of Jesus, because of radical cultural changes where wickedness multiplies, the majority of those who were followers... This isn't talking about somebody out there. This is talking about us here. Most men's love will grow cold. George Barna, and by the way, I do a lot of... Uh, follow a lot of surveys, the Barna Group, Pew Research, Georgetown, somewhat Gallup. And I assume that the statistics for the United States are pretty close to Canada. So I'm just making that assumption. If I'm way off, let me know at lunch. Okay. But the Barna Group gathered together about 25 different surveys and came up with this. 60% 
of young people, young adults, who are practicing their faith as a teenager, most of those attending youth groups, going to church with their parents, 60% have dropped out of church life. 60% is a majority. Most men's love will grow cold. And when culture changes, the younger you are, the greater the impact will be because you've lived part of your life perhaps in a little bit different, maybe perhaps more normal times. You have a stability that young people lack. And so what we're seeing is kind of an advance notice of where the whole culture and life in the church is going. 60%. And if you take that, This is a challenge. And now there's some grand exceptions in different parts of Canada and the United States. But most parish and Catholic spiritual formation programs are following the same things that were done in the 1950s. Man, the world's changed since the 1950s. And we're using the same strategies. And I would dare say they're not working as they should when 60% of young people are dropping out. This is Catholic and Protestant. There is a 1975 article that nobody paid attention to, but I urge you to. It was entitled, Wake Up! Wake Up! That was the title of the article by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and here's what he said. We are approaching a major turning point in history. I can compare it only with the turning point from the Middle Ages to the modern era. A shift of civilizations. It is a sort of turning point at which the hierarchy of values to which we have been dedicated all our lives is starting to waver and may collapse. That was 1975. I dare say it's not may waver, may collapse. It has. We're living in a post-Christian culture. That's the situation we're facing. If you've got kids at home, you're sending your kids off to college. If you're a young man trying to stand for your Catholic faith in today's world, you're facing a post-Christian culture. And you can't simply take a pre What? Year 2000 strategy or a 1910 strategy or a 1950 strategy and hope to survive today. So I'd like to go back to the beginning. Go back to the Holy Family, what I call the St. Joseph strategy for grounding young people and children in the faith. Like St. Joseph, teach your sons and daughters how to fight. You know... When you broadcast, you get all kinds of folks. And every now and then I used to get these comments. Well, this sounds awfully militant to me. And I used to kind of half apologize. I didn't really be. And finally I just said, you know what? There's plenty of people who prefer to be Catholic non-militants. I prefer the Catholic militant type thing. Because I believe we're in a fight. A big fight. A cosmic fight. We're in the fight of the ages that's coming to culmination points. So, let me start with an experience I had not too long ago. I was privileged to go to a U.S. Army Airborne Rangers graduation, the airborne part of it, graduation in Fort Benning, Georgia. 
And during the graduation, they told how the United States established their beachhead in Afghanistan. But there was no beachhead for the Marines to land on. And there were bad guys on the borders. So if you started assembling troops on the borders, there had been all kinds of oppositions and loss of life if you tried to do that. So what they did is I identified an airstrip, middle of Afghanistan. They took 99 airborne rangers and dropped them at night into Afghanistan. And their job was to secure that airfield. The backup plan was, there's no backup plan. They either secured that airfield or they were dead. Because to get the other troops in, to get the heavier armaments in, to get the medical supplies in, to get the food in, to get everything in, they needed that airstrip. So they dropped them in. Let's take that because, you know, believe it or not, we are in a war. There's a conflict going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. It was going on in St. Augustine's day. That's what he's writing about, the city of God. And it's still going on. It's just heating up a little bit. Okay, let's take that, that same picture. And we've got the 99 Rangers in a plane at night. The doors open, ready to drop. And their commanding officer says, okay, turn in your weapons. Now, all grenades, all your rifles, all your magazines, turn them in. Now drop. Now, it isn't politically correct for me to describe what should be done to that commander. But something really bad. It's unthinkable that a Catholic dad who sends his kids out into this world, or if you're a young man, you're going off on your own, and if you haven't been trained how to fight, it's just, we're supposed to be soldiers of Christ. And there is something called the sword of the Spirit. It's the Scriptures. And in Ephesians chapter 6, either write it down or maybe even try to find it, St. Paul, starting in verse 10, says, Take on the whole armor of God. A lot of it is defensive weapons, and it's not my purpose here today. There's one offensive weapon, okay? That's like those 99 rangers saying, turn in your weapons. We, you need your offensive weapon. Yes, you need your protection and your vests and all that type of sting, your helmets, but you also need your offensive weapon if you're going to do battle for the faith. And that offensive weapon in verse 17 is... The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And earlier, St. Paul says in verse 11, Put on this armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay? This is how you stand. Now, I know that St. Joseph trained Jesus how to fight. I know it wasn't presented this way in Sunday school, but this is how it works. Jesus went into the desert for 40 days. That's why we have uh, Lent to kind of pattern ourselves after what Jesus did. He went into the desert for 40 days and he did spiritual combat with the devil. And the devil came at him three times. And each time Jesus said, let me go look that up online or go to catholicanswers.org or uh, let me rewind that Scott Hahn CD that I have at home or something. No. Now, a Jewish father 
would teach his son the Torah, the Word of God. And it was from that Word that was instilled by St. Joseph to Jesus as a boy, is that when Jesus went into his one-on-one combat with the devil, the devil comes at him, one, it is written, came right out of his mouth and heart. Attack two, it is written, came right out of his mouth and heart. Attack three, it is written, came right out of his mouth and heart. You know what the second coming of of Christ is going to look like. It's in Revelation 19. And it says all the host of heaven is going to come down. The Antichrist thinks he's got everything all set up nice and hunky-dory and everything else. And here he comes with a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus has some, like, his tongue turns into some metal sword that comes flying out. It means that when God's word speaks, it can slay evil. It can defeat evil. Take the sword of the Spirit so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. This is how you do it. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, I meant, remember, St. Joseph is following the law, the Torah. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God has the marching orders for what to do in the unholy land. You know, we talk about going to Israel and touring the Holy Lands. You know, when um, Joshua led the children of Israel in, in the land, it wasn't a Holy Land. They were taking their children. Okay, say you want to have a, a good economy. Back then it was agricultural. It means you want to have a nice crop. Okay? They would take one of their children and place them and burn them alive in front of a statue to Moloch. There were all kinds, it was very religious. And, and, and at the various religious sites, you could have your choice, hetero or homosexual. That was part of the worship. Sex, in the most perverted forms. This was the unholy land. And God was sending his people right into the middle of it. How in the world are you going to survive in such a situation? This is how. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 is perhaps the most famous verse of any faithful Jewish person, particularly St. Joseph. It's called the Shema. In Hebrew, it simply means to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The great monotheistic declaration. And then the next verse. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, if you're a Canadian... Or an American, you have no idea what I just read. Because when we see this, oh, you gotta love God with your heart. You know, some people think, well, then we gotta really stir people's emotions up a little bit, because, you know, Christianity is something of the heart. That's not the case. Let me give you a really quick biology lesson in Greek. The emotions are down here. The bowels. Your gut. That's where your emotions are. That's part of you, but it's not a big deal, okay? Your mind, you figure that out, it's your brain. But your heart is the center of your being. Jesus said part of the reason people, he, he was, here he was, God, come in the flesh, talking to people, and they didn't even recognize him. Why? Because their ears are closed, their eyes are closed, lest they understand with their 
heart, not with their emotions, with the depth of their being. This is the center of wisdom. This is the center of knowledge. This is the center of you. So it's not like you just practice your faith. You love your faith. You you have, and I believe we're going to have some talks on this, you want to fall in love with our Creator. Love God with all your heart. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be upon your heart. So in other words, it starts with that. You take God's word and put it upon your heart. And then, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You get it? It starts with that. And you know, there's a lot of things. You can send your kids to the finest of everything. But you, Dad, are God's plan for rooting the faith that can withstand the assaults of the evil one so deeply in the heart that it works in any cultural situation, even if you happen to be living in the unholy land. Okay? Now, I want to share with you how to resist teen and college peer pressure. And I'd just like to speak for a moment to the younger guys here. Um, dads and granddads, you can listen too, but I'm speaking to you younger guys. I didn't mention this the first several times I was up here because I was afraid you'd never invite me back. But, uh, okay, at 13 I departed. Uh, by the time I got to college, my first try at college, I made the dean's list, by the way. This one down here. Um, I joined the wildest fraternity at the University of Florida on purpose. Um, My roommate and I were co-chairs, social chairmen. Our parties were so wild that the University of Florida actually closed the fraternity down from having any parties for a few years. But that wasn't enough for my friends and I. We formed a sub-fraternity within this wildest fraternity called the Berserkers. So you kind of have an idea of what my social life was like with my friends. Okay. So anyhow, go off in the Navy. God finds me wandering in the wilderness. Um, I... Uh, Getting out of the Navy, I really didn't know what to do, but I wanted something with, you know, somebody who was really serious about following Jesus. And this kind of hippie guru told me that um, there is this guy named St. Francis. And he was really radical in following Jesus, and he still has some followers somewhere today. Now, I know you young guys aren't going to understand what I'm saying, but I went to this thing called a phone booth. This is, you got to watch old movies to see what it was. I went to the bank, got a roll of quarters, and to this day, I don't know who I got in a phone. I just started calling all around the United States for a Franciscan monastery. Got one on the phone. I said, hi, my name's Steve Wood. I decided to follow Jesus. I'm getting out of the Navy soon. I'd like to come join your monastery. It's kind of quiet. And, uh... I don't know if it was a priest or who I was talking to. And he said, well, you have to be Catholic to join our monastery. I said, fine, I'm Catholic. What's next? (laughs) And uh, he said, oh, but you have to be a Catholic for one year. I knew he was making that up right on the spot. So anyhow, it only took me 20 years to finally become a Catholic. But And not to in any way minimize the challenges of religious life, but for me... God had me something harder to do. Go home, my friends. Now that was hard. 
For me, a monastery would have been incredibly easy compared to going home to my friends. Because I was one of the ones leading the charge in the wrong direction. So I came home and uh, I knew my friends were trying to reconvert me. Okay, And they were coming by the house with boats and lots of booze and babes and, you know, very enticing times and all this kind of stuff. Once I'd been out of the service for about six months, I'd been out on the beach burning some records. And again, these were these kind of uh, circular black things used to get music from. Um, Because they really weren't helping my spiritual life. I was driving home. And my best friend saw me and flagged me down. Oh, I said, where you been, Wood? Ah, nowhere. Well, where you been, Wood? Out at the beach. What are you doing out at the beach, Wood? So, so I was burning some records. He goes, oh, no. In other words, like, I was actually really serious about doing this following Jesus thing. And then he spilled the beans. All my friends had made a, made a betting pot on how long it would take to reconvert me to paganism. And some gave me 15 minutes after I got back from the Navy. I would ditch Christianity. And this fellow, my best friend, gave me six months. I didn't know what was going on during that time. And I, I'll tell you, it, it wasn't a really easy experience. But let me tell you, and I want to share with you a very easy way how you can get through what I got through. I had a Bible. And I, I didn't know any theology or anything else. But, you know, if you simply pray before you read the Bible, the simplest prayer, just ask God for his help and understanding, and you read. Sometimes you'll just read and nothing really strikes you. But, you know, if you make this a regular habit in your life, you'll be reading along and then all of a sudden just some verse will kind of pop. It it will impact your heart. And then I would take a highlighter and highlight that verse. And, you know, I might get a verse like that the next day, or it might be two or three weeks, okay? So, when my friends would come around, I tell you, I wasn't feeling really pious and happy. But what I would do, would go back to my Bible and read my highlights. Because those are times that I had really connected with God through the sword of the Spirit. And it gave me enough to get over that hump of temptation, resist my friends trying to persuade me to ditch following Jesus. And this is really simple. By the way, it's good to use a gel highlighter rather than a liquid highlighter. A liquid highlighter bleeds through pages, and Bibles tend to have thin pages, so it'll bleed through. A gel highlighter, and I'm recommending, and I'll explain a little bit more, but the New Testament and Psalms right here, this is the RSV, Catholic edition, and um, the Mary's Nook, uh, I requested some of these be here, um, and a gel highlighter. That's how I got through six months of unbelievable temptation. Guys with money on the table trying to get me to ditch the faith. And I I didn't know. I knew less than probably anybody in this room. All I knew is I had made some connections. You know, and if you're going to college next fall, you've got less than six months to start tomorrow morning. It's just some quiet time. And by the way... Um, we carry, I think we're the only Catholics in the universe carrying this. We carry a kind of an indestructible cover. The idea is you take this thing with you. If you're a cyclist, 
You take it with you. If you're backpacking, you take it with you. If you're going to college or you have 15 minutes for a cup of coffee between classes, you take it with you. That's the idea. You take it with you and keep it with you and refer to this. This becomes your strength to which you are able to resist those attacks on you. And a lot of times it's just basically finding strength for the moment. Where are you going to turn? Uh, you just can't do that. you got to have something that's really connected with you in the past. And just by highlighting those verses, you'll be able to do that. So, I've given you some foundations from the Father of Fathers, St. Joseph, so that you... Fathers can do this with your children. Now, talking to fathers, if you want, if you have children in the home and you want this to work, um, you know, I, I have a little bit of a beef with God. I just think He designed the whole thing the wrong way. I think kids should just do what we say, not what we do. Okay, but it doesn't seem to work that way. So, if you want your children to do something, you start by putting this on your heart. And I'm not talking about your emotions. I'm talking about giving God the opportunity in a few minutes, maybe before you check Facebook in the morning or something like that, a few minutes of your day to connect with the center of your being, lock that in, and then when you go into combat, you'll have the strength to stand. This is Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to a talk I gave in Calgary, Alberta, to a Catholic men's conference. It was the 20th anniversary conference of the God Squad in Calgary. I want to tell you a little something that was very interesting when the talk I just gave ended. There was a book table in the back selling a wide variety of Catholic books, And on that table were two stacks of those New Testaments that I recommended in my talk. And you know what? They were gone at the speed of light. You know, when I tried to draw a line between the challenges that men face in the modern world and the strength that God can give to men through his Scripture— Boy, once that connection was made, those Bibles were gone. And I think if that stack were two or three times as tall as it was, they'd still be gone. So let me just reemphasize how to get a hold of one of those Bibles. I recommended the Ignatius New Testament and Psalms, and that's in the translation RSVCE. And they should be available from our website, dads.org, from Amazon, or your local Catholic bookstore. Just be aware, if you go into a local Catholic bookstore, they may not have this. And they'll be ready to sell you a four or five pound Bible. Now, unless you can fit a four or five pound Bible in your back pocket, I'm recommending something compact like this New Testament and Psalms that can be taken with you, that can be put in your briefcase, your backpack, Uh, in the drink holder in your car, whatever. It's something that goes with you, and that's what we want to do. Again, that psalm that I quoted in my talk, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. This is Steve Wood, your host with Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.